everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the SMC podcast. Today, we are talking with Mark Kreiderman. How you doing, Mark? Hey, I'm doing well, Jamin. Good. Yeah, now Mark uh, is the pastor of our dinner church. Him and Mary serve out uh, dinner church out in Detroit. And you guys are, okay, you and I lived in Westland for some time. We did. And Westland... A lot of times you come across people who just like to qualify it as Detroit, but it's not like really Detroit. So how Detroit are you? We are in the city of Detroit um, in the northwest part, uh, but we're very much urban people suddenly. And mm. that's super exciting for us. So legit Detroiters. Excellent. Legit, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we want to get you on the line to talk a little bit about uh, the ministry and what's going on out there so that we can all learn about uh, what you guys are doing, how we can do things uh, better as we learn from you, and and just hear some of your stories and your heart uh, from uh, all your experiences. So now uh, you guys are a dinner church. In fact, uh, you pretty much launched the whole dinner church model. Uh, for those who don't know the story, you want to just kind of start at the beginning, tell your tale a little bit here? Sure. Um, Mary and I had pastored traditional, um, usually larger, wonderful um, existing churches for about 25 years and loved it. And we were a product of it. We are both born and raised into that kind of a ministry and loved it. Yet at so a juncture in our life, I think it was about when I turned 50, um, maybe some people go out and they buy a convertible when they turn 50. I saw God say, go plant churches in, in Detroit, but I was kind of scared. So we <laughs> moved as close to Detroit as we could in a little town called Taylor, Michigan. And we launched an arts and rec program for children as a way to build relationships with people and started a church that we called Sunday Brunch and Story. So it was a Sunday morning church, but it was around the, the table and always had lots and lots of food. And that was our first foray into the dinner church model. And after a little bit of doing that, maybe a couple of years, the, um, our overseers in our conference, they came and said, hey, we like what you're doing. That's pretty cool. But there's this guy out in Seattle who's um, several years ahead of you doing this thing called dinner church. It's just like what you do on the He's doing it a lot better than you. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's what they always sure say. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's what I heard. Anyway. <laughs> so no, and it was. So they said, "Why don't you go learn from him?" And I was um, excited to do that. So Mary and I went out and met Verlin and Melody Fosner, and um, they're just some great people and mentors of ours that um, opened eyes some to some new things that, that we learned, and then we went back um, to Michigan and. And that was inspirational and motivational and helping us move into the city of Detroit and starting um, kind of an overarching mission of reaching into every neighborhood in the city of Detroit with a dinner church or that kind of a kind of outside the box ministry. And so we've been at that. We have um, two sites that Mary and I run, and then we have a couple other sites that are in uh, one that we've um, given away to Dearborn Free Methodist Church and the great leadership of Bill Walters. And he's pastoring that one in our Brightmore neighborhood. And then we have several others that are in varying um, parts of launch. So we're working with other churches and other site pastors 
to help them learn how to do this in the city. There are, um, well, depends on who's counting. There are between 96 and 200 neighborhoods in the city of Detroit. And so our, our dream is to have a dinner church or something like that in every neighborhood. And, um, so we're, we're, we're busy starting new ones, but we're also monitoring, like, how do you do that? It's a big, big, um, picture. Excuse me. How do you figure that out and manage to do that on a large scale? So we're working on those two, those two things right now. Yeah. Now you just said, uh, that you grew up kind of with more of the traditional model, you know, the Sunday morning church, worship, music, teaching, things like that. Mm-hmm. So when you say right. you're going to plant 200 churches, I think a lot of our listeners grew up in the same kind of mentality. And in their minds, they're like, whoa, doing that in 200 places. So can you uh, can you speak a little bit to, like, what the dinner church is like? Like, is it going to be as... Do you aim to be as big as like these kind of churches would, or does it work on more of a minuscule scale? You know what? Just kind of take them through what a service or what a goal or aim would be of just a normal one of these churches. Yeah, that's a great, great question, Jan. Um, because most people think brick and mortar when mm-hmm. you say church, and you're right. We we really try to avoid brick and mortar at most. Uh, well, almost all cost. So we we locate ourselves in existing community centers. Um, sometimes those centers are actually in a church. Um, many times they're affiliated or nearby, but sometimes they're in apartments and just like a community room of a of a building. Um, so we we want to use all of our resources for people, not in buildings. We don't have anything against buildings. I mean, you need buildings, but we just, we thought at this stage in life, we want to put all of our energy into the people and work with existing, um, relationship webs and things like that. So, um, this ministry serves everybody well, but it's particularly, um, exciting when it comes to ministering to lower third neighborhoods. Um, sore neighborhoods, if you want to call them that, people who have been left out and behind or whatever, for whatever reason. It seems to really connect well there. I mean, we're providing a a free meal, and that, for some people, that's the draw. They're hungry, literally, and so they come. Yeah, that was going to be a question of mine, because I know I've also heard, like, uh, some people go because they're lonely uh, in fact, when our church kind of moved into a dinner church model, people kept people kept telling me to expect that. But then we found just what you were talking. There was especially a lot of people who were who were hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we so we focus on that, and we're free Methodist. We feel like we're free Methodist to the core um, in an exciting way. We're um, kind of digging back to the free Methodist roots, where we cared particularly for those who were poor. One of our free was that people would not have to pay money for a pew. They were free to go to church. It was, you know, church was free to them. And so we're um, kind of carrying that idea and saying, well, let's, what if we aim at those people who um, at least live in those neighborhoods where there's a high number or percentage of people who have been forgotten or left behind by all the economic upturn 
um, especially here in Detroit, while this city is just crazy as it's moving forward and growing and, and all the new things that are going on, there's a lot of people that are getting pushed to the shadows yeah. in the middle of that. And so we feel like our mission is particularly important because of that. Yeah. So, yeah, we provide a meal. And most of the organizations that we work with and build relationships with, we, we typically go in saying we are willing to pay rent for a, a space. And most of the time, when they see what we're about, they say, you're not going to pay rent. We're just glad to have you aboard. You're, you're helping people. Hmm. And so um, that's been a big relief um, on our budget, that's for sure. Yeah. So we provide a meal. Um, so let's say at our Monday night site, our buffet line opens at 5 p.m. And people start showing up before then. And we just hang out and talk. And they um, have a prayer time. And then the, the people go through the line. They get their food. Um, they sit family style around tables. Um, tables are, are beautifully put together with black tablecloths, um, plastic, but literal cloth tablecloths. And it's just a really nice, classy setting, as best as we can do. Um, the food is plentiful, and, and the idea behind that is really a theological idea that we want to present with our food the grandiose love of God, the love that never quits, you know, the, the extravagant love. And so we try to do that with our food every, every week. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they go through um, the serving line. And then at some point um, for us, we like to keep our dinner church sites between 30 and 70 people. That's the idea behind opening lots of them. We found, and we've been over a hundred at some times at one of our sites and the um, high touch really gets depreciated. Um, not appreciated, but depreciated. It just doesn't happen as much because the logistics are too hard. You know, everybody's been done eating before everybody even gets to the to the serving line, and that's that's tough. So um, we we try to work it time wise so that people, you know, they're halfway through their meal, maybe twenty minutes after five or near five thirty. I'll stand up and give a couple announcements and um, pray again for the people and then share a brief, usually seven to 10. Um, I get long-winded. Sometimes it goes go maybe 12 minutes, but usually about we aim at a 10-minute Bible story with short application. It's mostly a Bible story, though. That's, you know, it's, we really emphasize um, the Bible and especially the stories of Jesus. Um, in the, you know, we model this after the, the initial church in the book of Acts. Um, you know, they weren't churches like our attractional or proclamation style churches are today. They were basically Paul grabs people who had a decent sized living room and somebody who knew how to cook and say, Hey, can you put a meal on and let's uh, get together and who, who, who here? knew Jesus or knew somebody who knew Jesus, you know, you're, you're intimate with the stories. Um, would you make sure that, you know, the people here know the stories of Jesus, know what happened. And that was basically the church planning model. 
that he had. And then he'd say, okay, great. That's working nice. I'm going to go on to the next town and get some more going. And you see that really clear in Acts 2, 42 through 47. So in that, that idea, we spend most of our time and you know, all of our weight of the story is about Jesus. We just want people to know Jesus, that he's real and that what he did then he still does now. So that story, you know, we just walked right through the, like, I've been going through the book of Mark for months, you know, just uh, one story at a time, and we just learn who Jesus is. So, um, you know, that's like 10 minutes or so. One of our sites, we have just a ton of kids. So what we will often do is, following the story, we want to give the parents uh a reprieve from taking care of their kids and we'll have the kids go to the back. We, we stay in one room so everybody can see each other. And we'll have a couple of tables set up kind of in the back of the room with an art project for the kids. And we call that a stand up quiet art project because kids are supposed to be quiet while they do it because we want the parents to not feel like their kids are disrupting. Um, so we make a game out of seeing how quiet they can be while they do a project that's been put together or, you know, maybe put in bags for them to then pull out of the bags and put together. Maybe it's painting or, you know, putting a, um, a coffee filter with paint and, you know, a, I don't know. Um, I'm not the art guy on it, <laughs> but <laughs> we, we have like, it takes you I'm using about 10 minutes and that gives the parents, kind of a 10 minute break of being a parent and sitting back and talking to each other. <clears throat> and often I get to go a little deeper in the story at that time with some Q and a time with them. Um, that's when Mary and I love to walk through the group and pray for people as they share prayer requests with us. One of the critical pieces that we do at dinner church is we have um, prayer request cards distributed to each table and a place for people to put them. And we invite them to um, put, you know, let us know if they'd like us to pray for them over the next week. And they can uh, kind of tell us what to pray about by writing, that, writing us a note. And it's really cool because, the, you know, that's what we measure. We really don't measure how many people come. We have to know kind of how many people come because we need to know how much food to prepare. But we don't make a big deal out of that at all. Mostly we make a big deal out of spiritual conversations and prayers. And then if I get to come home with a pocket full of prayer requests, man, that's been a good day. Hmm. And so then Mary and I get a chance to lift our people up to Jesus throughout the week and then um, come back and see how God has answered prayer. So um, it really takes the pressure off of the typical um, thing that was so much fun in, you know, my former life, I call it, <laughs> of, you know, but, you know, there's that, that pressure of growing and being bigger. And it, it just, you, sometimes you wonder what is that really what the church is supposed to be about? Just, you know, finding a something that will get more people to come in here hmm. instead of um, just being at the feet of Jesus together and um, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to do his great work. So when people take their prayer cards and they put it in the, the box over in the corner, that's great. But when they come to me or Mary and they hand us the card, we always take that as a sign from God to 
stop, read the card, and pray with them right right then and there. That has yielded just some amazing, amazing prayer times. Like this one lady, um, she came and, and she would come week after week and take uh, notes like you want to believe. Um, she would interrupt me while I'm telling the story. Wait, wait, Pastor Mark, what, what, what did Jesus say? Say it again, and I'd say it again slower. Um, she would write it down. Um, she'd say, no, wait, you read something from the psalm. What psalm was that? And I'd tell her again, and she'd write it down. And I finally asked her, I said, hey, Lorraine, you're taking a lot of notes. What, what's <laughs> up with that? And she said, well, my boyfriend, um, he, he doesn't come to dinner church, and so I go home after dinner church, and I preach the message you preach to us. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and that's awesome. So eventually her boyfriend started coming, and um, and that was really cool. And this one day she came up to me and she said, you know, Pastor, would you pray for us? And this is maybe his second or third time there. And I said, okay. And she goes, you know what to pray about. Um, and truthfully, I didn't know what to pray about. I, I thought... <laughs> I'm sure she told me something at some point, but nothing's coming to mind. So I read the quick prayer to God, you know, Lord, please direct me in this prayer. So we, we huddled up, you know, and and just prayed as the Holy Spirit led me to pray for them. And uh, I don't remember anything I said, obviously, but when I was done, I looked over at her boyfriend who immediately grabbed me in this huge bear hug I'm not sure if he, why he gave me the big hug. Maybe it was to cover up the fact that tears were streaming down his face. Hmm. And it's those moments that just, you know, we say, this is why we went to seminary. This is why we did all that work. This is why we do church. This is why we went in the ministry for moments like this. And uh, um, that kind of thing happens a lot. Um, this kind of church seems to attract the kind of people that Jesus always wanted to hang out with and who he spent so much time with. And they're people that um, are super receptive to God. I mean, they're often on the front edge of this spiritual life thing. Um, and they're learning about the kingdom. And, and so there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, um, in some sense, to see displayed in their life and, and for them to be a part of So. Yeah, that's, I got, sorry, I digress. I don't know where I went with that answer, but. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, I think of, uh, there's a lot of uh, people who come to our church who, like, some of them are homeless or very impoverished, and you think, like, you, it goes through your mind that you might have to, like, start fresh with the stories, and yet they come to you, and they start preaching at you, and they know so much more than you do, I find, <laughs> a yeah. lot of times, and. And I'm learning from them a lot. Uh, I, I yeah, yeah. I find that food has just been a great equalizer in trying to set the table for people, regardless of race or ethnicity or any kind of social or um, uh, financial boundaries. It just kind of brings everybody together. Uh, have you found that this has created a an easier way to kind of like? engage people on a more intimate level or get into uh, connecting in their lives easier than like traditional type church? Yeah. Um, this is, I, I should come up with a name for it. It's just this, the stage, the symptom of stage of any kind of a stage, really. Um, 
I pastored a church where on a given Sunday, we'd typically have 12 or 1,300 people that hear the Sunday morning message. Um, so a church of that size requires a pretty big stage so everybody can have good sight lines. You know how that stuff works. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so I would um, typically say, because there were tons of visitors and people all the time, I would usually say, hey, um, if I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you. And I'll be down here, you know, in front of the stage on the main floor um, following the service. So if you want, come on up. And th- this is still super hilarious to me. Following the service, I would walk down, and there would be people in line. It would be lined up, like 20 people, to see me or shake my hand. Now, I know me, and I'm not worth standing in line to shake my hand. Um, But see, the stage creates this false thing. It it creates a weirdness. Um, And frankly, as a pastor in a typical church, I loved that. I still do. I'm sure it's just part of that ego thing that says, man, you know, people want me. They like to hear what I say. They have my jokes and all that stuff. Um, that's dangerous really, but, um, you know, it is what it is. It's part of the fun of, of being somebody that gets to speak on a big stage. Um, dinner church is not a big stage. If I told the people that I pastor now that people used to stand in line to shake my hand, I think they would find that hilarious. I hope they would find it hilarious. Um, I find it hilarious because now I get to sit at the table with people and I'll have food hanging off my tooth while we're talking. Um, we're sharing stories. You know, food is the great equalizer. When um, when you're sitting around a table eating the same meal with people, it really, you know, the person who is on living off of a bridge card is eating the same food as the multi-millionaire at the table. And you can't, by what they're eating, you can't tell the difference who's who. So there's a kind of a leveling the of the field with that. And that creates a sense of, of a peer relationship, which is really beautiful. You know, Hey, we're friends. We're in this together. Um, there's a tendency for people to idolize their leaders and they kind of want that sometimes like, Oh, you're the pastor. You're the one in charge, but it's too easy for, um, for there to be this feeling of uh, us and them or me and you instead of we and dinner church really blesses those who want a we ministry, you know, not a me ministry, but a we ministry. This is us. This is, we're family. We're, um, uh, we're a community. And so I think that's part of what God had in mind when gave us this idea of the kingdom of heaven, that we're, we're all, um, paupers standing at the feet of Jesus, our King. Um, we're we're all equal, and the food then the table I think helps make that happen. Yeah, I just heard a a really great uh, message recently just on like even the idea of communion. You know uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this is like the original kind of dinner equalizer is like in Jesus' time, or well, you know, right after Jesus' time, I should say, well, whether you were. Uh, rich or poor or a slave or free, like everybody came 
partook of the same body, partook of the same blood, and like just all together, you were bowing a knee to Jesus, being subservient to Him, no matter what level you would be on outside of that. And mm-hmm. uh, just what that you were just beautiful. saying, yeah, what you were just saying yeah. about food just kind of equalizing the room in that same way. It's uh, yeah, it's just really cool I'll, to watch that every week. Yeah, along that line, man, what a cool picture. Jesus, when he serves, you know, what we call the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. right, a meal, um, he he looked at the people in around that table and he said, when you do this, right, when you eat, remember me. Um, I love that. You know, that's a, isn't that a great picture for dinner church? Hey, we're eating and remembering Jesus. And uh, that's, that's pretty good church. Yeah. I mean, that right there, to some extent, really is communion you know mm-hmm, right, i've, I've right. thought about that in modern terms like we don't usually sit around tables anymore and just eat like bread and drink wine but uh maybe mountain dew and pizza <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that might be like the equivalent of of modern communion because if if i thought about communion every time i had that you know it would be more right. on my mind more often uh, yeah yeah yeah, that's cool. Uh, do you have any uh, specific stories that just kind of like come to mind of people that you've been reaching out to that uh, you like to share with us just as examples as to the kind yeah. of wonders that Dinner Church can do? Yeah, I have two or three that just popped in my head when you asked that question. First one is um, I was preaching through this before I jumped into the book of Mark. I was, I was going through Psalm 23. I thought um, this would be a good passage to help explain some things and because of the calendar year, uh, year, it was helpful. Anyway, I was going through the different pieces of that. And um, so one week we talked about um, the table. And I said, um, okay, um, this is going to be weird what we're going to do today. Of course, everybody was, you know, all ears at that point. I said, we're going to receive communion. This is the first time we've received communion together. I said, so we're going to receive communion tonight, and I'm going to explain it through this part of the story of Psalm 23. And um, and then I, I explained it, and then I got to the end of the, the message time. I said, now, here's how it's going to work. I've got elements up here on the table, and I'm going to turn around and turn the music on. And after I turn the music on, you can come up and receive communion if you'd like to do that based on what we just learned. So as I turn around and turn on the music, I'm thinking to myself, Mark, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done. (laughs) You know, many of these people never had communion before. Um, This is going to be awkward. I'm going to turn around and be looking at my wife, Mary, and nobody else. And, uh, or I'll just have communion myself and be done with it. And I was like, oh, my word, I can't be able to do this. But I read the prayer to God. I said, okay, sorry, I'm, you know, I'm a lousy communicator or whatever, but oh, here we go. I spin around, and there's like um, 25 people already in line hmm. and just eager as they approached and allowed me to serve them. It was beautiful. There were tears. It was just incredible. So the next week, of course, was on uh anointing the their heads with oil and so i communicate through that or explain that and then i say now you thought last week was weird this week's going to be weird um i'm gonna anoint you with oil if you'd like to be anointed with oil and prayed for same thing i'm gonna 
turn on, turn the music on, and if you'd like to be anointed and prayed for, please come forward. And this time I was like, oh my word, last week somehow we made it through. It was wonderful and great, but this is this is really weird. Um, you know, it's going to be awkward. Nobody's going to want anything to do this. And I spin around. There's like 40 people in line to be anointed and prayed for. And it was just unbelievably cool. And again, that deal where you're, this is what I got into this for. Yeah. Um, that's one. I had another story um, with a, a different state. It was um, our after our first time of serving communion. Um, no, no, no. Back up. Back, rewind the tape on that. Uh, we had started in April, and it was just early in the um, summer. And man, this group is—it's an apartment complex, and people did not like each other at all. They all lived together, but they didn't like each other. And so we're, they invite us to come to dinner church there, and we start doing dinner church with them. And you can tell, man, it's weird. So um, we're sharing the good news of Jesus week after week and praying for the people and and realizing God's going to do, you know, we're saying, Mary and I keep saying, man, a year from now, it's going to be so cool because these people probably love each other, but right now they don't. So I thought one step would be to help them get to know each other. So I passed out three by five cards before the message. And I said, write your name on that card, and then I'll collect them. So they did, and I did. Then um, I passed the cards back out to everybody at random, and I said, just check the card and make sure it's not your own. And they did. Did everybody good? They said, yes. I'll tell you what it's about at the end of the story. So after the story, I said, um, now here's what we're going to do with these cards. The, the story is about prayer. I said, you're going to pray for the person whose name is on that card this week. Um, you don't have to pray with them. You know, I'm not asking you to do something that far outside your comfort zone. I just want you to pray for them once a day for the next seven days until we get back together next week. You know, thinking that maybe this will help them um, love each other, at least get to know each other. So then I said, oh, by the way, if you don't, you know, look at the name of the card, if you don't know that person, then you at least need to introduce yourself, find out who they are so you know who you're praying for. And that's when one of the ladies raised her hands, kind of, one hand kind of sheepishly, and she goes, Pastor Mark, and I said, what's up? She said, can I say something? I'm, yeah, fine. This is what's fun about dinner churches. This happens all the time. People, they want to add their two cents worth, and man, I love it. So she came up, and she called another lady from, at a different table to come up and sit or stand with her. And so they did. So then she says, okay, Pastor Mark. And then she's turned to everybody. She grabbed the mic from me. She goes, okay, everybody, this is the way Jesus works. And I'm going, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear this, you know. <laughs> she says, um, I, um, me and um, she named the other lady. She goes, we have been going at it for years. We've really had a problem with each other. And she goes, now I want you to look at who I got on my card. And it was this other lady's name. And then she turned to the other lady and said, show everybody who you got. And it was her. <laughs> so they got each other's names directed by the Holy Spirit to pray for each other. And they just put, stood there and laughed because they went, and they went public with everybody in the room that, hey, God's doing something. He's helping us build relationships with each other. Okay, so now to the end of the story is, um, a few weeks later, maybe a couple months later, we served communion for the first time with the group. And um, 
where previously when we started that dinner church, people would come in the room and one person would sit at one table, one person would sit at a different table, and they wouldn't sit with anybody until there was no other option. <laughs> and then when it was over, they were gone. They'd all go back to the rooms. And so now we serve communion. After that day where we serve communion, we're cleaning up, people are helping us and everything else. And then Mary and I saw that we're all done cleaning up, and so we went to wave to everybody goodbye, which is the interesting part. As we looked into the room, we said, well, see you next week. And almost everybody was still there. They were still seated around the tables, not without the table boss. And um, they just kept talking and laughing. They looked at us, they waved and said, see you, Pastor Mark. And off we went, and Mary and I go out to the car like, can you believe that? They hated each other just a few months ago. <laughs> and now they're hanging out talking and laughing and and God is, you know, building his kingdom right here. This the east side of Detroit. How fun is that? So those are um just some pieces of real tangible evidence of God at work that um happens I think in a way that is um a particular to the table. Yeah, we, uh, it reminds me, a few weeks ago, it was the week where we were supposed to light the candle of peace for Advent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We had three people in the room who supposedly had or thought they might have, like, police orders against each other to not be within 100 feet of each other. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and so, like, everyone's, I've, I had, like, two or three different people come up to me and try to explain it. I thought we were all talking about one person. And then I realized like all three of them are (laughs) at war with one another. So like we had to like make this agreement. Okay. You can all be here. Just nobody talk to each other. (laughs) And uh, we'll, we'll do that just for starters for tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Hope that that things can grow from there. So yeah, it's uh, interesting. The peace talks you get into once you're, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, uh, before I wrap it up, I just want to make sure, is there anything else you want me to ask or get to otherwise? Uh, yeah, let me, let me just close it with this. Um, at least my part with this thought. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I just love about the dinner church model is that it's not based, you know, I talked about the stage earlier, it's not based on the excellence of the stage, which is a great value to do everything we do with the best that we can. But, um, you know, we if somebody wants to sing, um, and I, I spent my whole ministry career, it seems like, trying to make sure the good singers could get up on a stage and sing, and the singers who couldn't sing wouldn't. <laughs> And that's terribly crass to realize that's what I, I didn't did, I didn't think I was doing that, but now, you know, in retrospect, I can see that I was. If somebody comes and says, I want to sing a song, man, I hand them the mic and they sing a song. Um, when somebody wants to do something and use their selves for God's kingdom, they get a chance to every time. Um, and it's beautiful. We had an old guy come. I mean, he's so old. He um, stood up and he said, Pastor Mark, can I sing a song? And I said, well, okay. And he said, I haven't sung for a couple of years. I had cancer in the throat. And my doctor said, don't ever sing or you may never speak again. Um, And he said, but I just feel like maybe God's doing something and can I sing? And I handed him the mic and he sang um, the Lord's Prayer. 
you know, song that he'd sung when he was younger. And it was beautiful, not maybe in uh, an attractional church model, um, but it was beautiful for us. It was just wonderful to see this guy who just felt compelled because of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's activity in his life. Um, and which leads me to this other thing that um, we're, we're, we have to trust the Holy Spirit in this kind of a ministry. We can't nearly cover everything that needs to be covered. So we help people get to know Jesus, and then we watch the Holy Spirit do the work that the Holy Spirit does in people's lives, and that's a beautiful thing, too. And, and it's just a, a tremendous um, opportunity to be part of it. So um, we love it, and we're thankful that God called us into this, though we still um, extend a hand and, and, and embrace towards the traditional church. We're so thankful for that and what it's meant in our life. But what God has called us to now is just awesome, and we're, we're thankful. Well, that's awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for talking with us today, Mark. And it's very encouraging to just hear what you guys are up to. You know, uh, the church is a whole body, so wherever anyone strengthens, it adds strength to the rest of us. So, thanks for the encouragement today. Thanks, Shannon. Good yeah. to talk with you. Yep, you too. And uh, hey, before we let you go, I know you guys are uh trying to in order to do what you're trying to do more efficiently you guys are still fundraising for some kitchen items of some sort right or is it like a yeah an actual kitchen itself yeah it's we are um, actually building a a central kitchen the single most difficult piece of dinner church is cooking mm-hmm. now my wife is a great cook she cooks for sometimes as many as a hundred right in our little kitchen in our house. But wow. um, in order to help others be able to do this, we're trying to make it easy. So we're uh, we're raising money for a central kitchen to um, serve all the dinner church sites. And we can have cooks, and we now actually can train, if we can get this finished up, we can train people, um, use our people that come to church in a, in a capacity of helping us cook, train them, for those who don't know how to cook, train them how to cook, um, you know, give them some great skills. I think it will bless their family. Um, and then we can provide the food for all the sites a lot cheaper by doing it in, in one cooking location. And then they just come and pick it up in their hot boxes and take it to their site. So that's what we're working on right now. And we're nearly there, but we've still got a few thousand dollars of things that we need to make the reality. So, yeah. And if people want to help with that, uh, where would they turn? Um, Just contact you guys. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, there's a place on our website, um, which is www.detroitdinnerchurch.com. So, yeah, they can just go to um, detroitdinnerchurch.com, and there's a place there to, to participate. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for talking with us, uh, friends. If you uh, like what... Uh, Uh, The dinner churches out in Detroit are up to. Uh, You just heard ways to help out with that. So make sure you check that out for yourself. Uh, We hope that uh, your churches are moving forward as well and multiplying and going on mission together. And uh, we just appreciate you all. We'll catch you next time here on the SMC Podcast. Thanks again for talking with us today, Mark. Thanks. God bless.
SMC Podcast. <laughs>